Good morning, church. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke 7. So if you could open up your Bibles or your technology, whatever you have there. It's also printed on your notes sheet. Luke 7, verses 11 through 16. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Amen. Marlene, thank you for doing our reading. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Lord, you are amazing. There's nothing about you that is not amazing. We worship you, we honor you, we celebrate you. We are here because of you. And we come here to listen to how you want to minister to us and guide us and teach us and instruct us today. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to do that wonderful thing where he can speak to every heart here and to every need here. And Lord, we ask you to speak to the needs not just that we think we have, but to the very needs that you know we have and what we need to hear. May the Holy Spirit speak through me words that honor Christ, are truthful and accurate to the word, and will change us into Christ's likeness. Lord, we're mindful of those who are not in this room with us that we love dearly. Lord, some are hurting physically, emotionally, maybe sick, and we ask you to minister to them, Lord, meet their needs. We pray for those who are away from us because of military orders, and we just pray you'd minister to them in, in their needs, bless them. For our students that have gone back to school, Lord, we just pray that they would hear your voice speaking in their hearts, and Lord, they would be deaf to the voice of the enemy who wants to lead them astray. Minister to our students, Lord, we ask. Lord, we just thank you for our loved ones, whether in this room or away, and we ask you to minister to us spiritual, emotional, and physical health today. In Jesus' name, amen. Five-year-old Mandy was out playing in her backyard when she nicked her finger on one of her toys and and she went running in the house crying, and her mom was off someplace, and so she looked for her dad, and he was in the living room reading a newspaper, and he put it down and looked up, and she came up sobbing, and he, he said, what's wrong? And she said, I, I have a, a boo-boo. And he looked at it, and it wasn't bleeding. It was hardly a scratch, just barely red. So he just said, well, well, it's nothing. Quit crying. Um, go get a Band-Aid if you want it, and went back to his newspaper. He could hear her sniffling, and he could sense her standing there, and he put down his paper, and he said, well, what now? 
I can't do anything for you. And she looked at him with tears brimming in her eyes and her lower lip kind of quivering. And she said, well, well, you could have said, oh. We all desire someone to say, oh, when we're hurting. We crave compassion. We need compassion. Someone to say, oh. Whether we're hurting physically or emotionally, when we're disappointed or discouraged, when we're depressed, overwhelmed, feeling hopeless, we want someone to come alongside of us and just say, oh. In your outline, there's a definition of compassion, and someone has put it this way. Compassion is your pain in my heart. Compassion is your pain in my heart. I remember when my dad passed away of cancer. He was 73 years old and in in great shape except for the cancer. He ran three miles almost every day. He wasn't overweight. He didn't smoke. And when he died at 73, it was a surprise. And I found that the people that brought me the most comfort at that time were not the people who had good advice on how to deal with a crisis. The people who brought me the most comfort were not the people who recited Bible verses that I obviously already knew. (laughs) The people who brought me the greatest comfort weren't the people who recited to me worn-out cliches. Oh, he's in a better place. (laughs) You'll see them again someday. The people that brought me the most comfort when my dad died were the people that came up to me with tears in their eyes and said, oh, and gave me a hug. They said, I'm sorry. And that's all they said. Compassion is my pain in your heart. Saying O is an art, and in this fast-paced world that we're in, it seems to be a lost art. We're too busy. We just want to fix it right away. Just say something and move on. It takes time to say a simple word like O. It takes time to have my pain in your heart. It takes slowing down. Last week, we started a new sermon series called encountering Jesus. And you go, I didn't know we started a new series. I know I didn't tell you that last week, but I'm telling you this week. It's a new series, Encountering Jesus. We're going to look at the life of Jesus and people who encountered him. And last week, we looked at two people who encountered Jesus. We looked at a filthy, rich man and a morally bankrupt woman who both met Jesus, who both needed the same thing, who both needed grace who needed and received the forgiveness they needed, not that they deserved. And that's what grace is. Grace is getting undeserved, unearned, unmerited forgiveness. And you need to receive it for your own life from the Lord. And we saw last week, you also need to extend it to others. And that's one of the annoying things of God. He expects us to treat others like he treats us. 
But today we're going to look at Jesus' encounter with a dead man, a totally random, nameless, and very dead young man. He's not just mostly dead, as Billy Crystal's character said in The Princess Bride. (laughs) He's completely dead. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. In Luke 7, beginning in verse 11, it says, And it came about soon afterwards that Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large multitude. Now, it's important to see how the verse starts. It says, And it came about soon afterwards. After what? That's significant. It's, over, it's easy to overlook the fact that Jesus was very popular. He was very popular with the crowds. Until he wasn't, of course. Backing up in the book of Luke in chapter 4, we read that Jesus was in the city of Capernaum. He's in the synagogue, group of Jews there. And Jesus cast out some demons from a man, and the Jewish people saw that, and they were amazed, and a report went out, and it says in Luke 4, this report of what Jesus had done, healing this man of demons, went into every locality, every locality in the surrounding district. And then after that, later in Luke 4, we're told that Jesus went to Peter's house, where Peter's mother-in-law was dying of a high fever, and Jesus heals her of that high fever instantly. And so people heard. The news went out, and people started bringing to Jesus everyone that they loved, or even themselves, who had any kind of sickness or disease. Now, I was wondering... What kind of sicknesses and diseases might they have in the first century Palestine? Well, basically all of them. Here's a list of some of them. They had pneumonia, tuberculosis, polio, smallpox, malaria, anthrax, parasitic infections, leprosy, mutinous, deafness, blindness, paralysis, birth deformities, and cancer. And if I didn't mention your favorite disease, they probably had that too. And once the word got out that there was a miracle healer in their midst, that word spread like wildfire and multitudes of sick, lame, deaf, blind, demonized people were flocking to Jesus. In Luke 4, toward the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 40, Look what it says, Luke 4, verse 40. And while the sun was setting, all, all who had any sick with various diseases, that covers everybody and everything, brought them to Jesus and laying his hands on every one of them, he was healing them. Every one of them, whatever sickness they had. And demons also were coming out of many, crying out and saying, you are the son of God and rebuking them. Jesus would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus didn't want demons witnessing for him. And when day came, Jesus departed and went to a lonely place. He's trying to get alone 
And notice, and the multitudes were searching for him. He couldn't get rid of the crowds and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Don't leave. We're going to get sick again. Don't leave. We might need you to raise the dead or do this. Don't leave. But Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Healing's great, but it's not permanent. And Jesus came to make a permanent change by preaching the gospel. Well, Jesus continued to minister healings. In chapter 5 of Luke, he heals a lame man who now can walk. We get to chapter 6 in Luke, and we discover that whoever touched Jesus got healed. Luke chapter 6, verse 19, it says, 619, And all the multitude were trying to touch Jesus, huge crowds trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus was very, very popular with the crowds. He was healing them all. And the word got out, and it continued to spread. And it spread not only to the Jews, but it spread also to the pagans. And there was a pagan Roman centurion who had a beloved slave who was dying. And he heard about this Jewish miracle worker. And so he finds Jesus in Capernaum. And he wants Jesus to heal his slave. And Jesus starts to walk with him to his house. And the the centurion, who is in charge of a hundred men, that's why he's called a centurion, the centurion who was the backbone of the Roman army, this centurion who was paid 20 times the salary of a regular Roman soldier, this centurion said, I know about giving orders, I know about telling someone do this or do that. He goes, you don't need to go to my house. Just say the word, and my slave will be healed from a distance. And Jesus says in chapter 7, verse 9 of Luke, chapter 7, 9, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him. Jesus marveled at him. And turned and said to the multitude, that Jewish crowd that keeps following him, I say to you, not even in Israel, not among you Jews, have I found such great faith. And the servant was healed that very moment. And it's with all that background that we come to verse 11, and it came about soon afterwards. Soon after all these miracles, all these multitudes following Jesus, the word has gotten out that he's a healer. He's just healed the centurion's servant. And it came about soon afterwards that Jesus went to the city called Nain. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large multitude. Now, don't miss that phrase, large multitude. How many people in a large multitude? Well, what's a multitude? I would say you've got to have at least 100 people to have a multitude. Right? I mean, otherwise it's a little family gathering or, you know, it's a, a multitude is maybe over 100. A large multitude, it would be hundreds 
a large multitude. You're a multitude this morning. You're not a large multitude. You're just a multitude. I mean, you're great people, <laughs> but you're not a large. A large multitude is a megachurch. That's a large multitude. We're talking a large multitude of people are moving with Jesus. And this is kind of amazing because he's gone from Capernaum to Nain. Nain is an insignificant little city. He'd probably never been there before, probably doesn't know anybody there. It's 25 miles from Capernaum. They're walking. It's a whole day's walk. And I'm sure they're kind of looking behind to see if this large multitude, this mega church, is still following them. You know, they're still there, Jesus. You know, and he walks 25 miles to Nain, and they're still following him. Well, why did he go to Nain? Didn't know anybody there. 25 miles away, one reason was to lose the crowd. But he went there because he had an appointment with a dead man. There was a young pastor, and he was going to perform his first funeral. And so he decided he'd look through the Bible and see what Jesus did, how Jesus performed funerals to get an idea. And so he's looking through his Bible, and he gets to Mark chapter 5, and there's Jairus' 13-year-old daughter who's dead, and he reads the story, and he goes, well, I can't use that one. And then he turns to John 11, and there's Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, who dies, and Jesus goes to that funeral, and he goes, well, I can't use that one. And then he comes to Luke 7, where this young man is dead, and Jesus goes to that funeral, and he goes, well, I can't use that one. And the young pastor closes his Bible in frustration because every time Jesus went to a funeral, the dead people didn't stay dead. They came back to life. Jairus' 13-year-old daughter was raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. And I don't mean to give it away, but this young man in our story is going to be raised from the dead. Dead people had a hard time staying dead in the presence of Jesus. And so Jesus had an appointment in Nain to raise the dead. And Jesus has an appointment with every single one of you in this room to raise you from the dead. You can't miss it. We all have an appointment with death unless Jesus Christ returns and takes us, translates us to heaven. And we all have an appointment with Jesus to be raised from the dead. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're raised to eternal life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're raised to eternal damnation. Which do you prefer? You get to make a choice. But you need to make it before you die. If you haven't made a choice to cry out to Jesus for salvation, I would do that right now. But then we come to verse 12 of chapter 7. Now, as Jesus approached the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son, literally the only begotten son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. Now, notice it says, sizable crowd is with her. How big is a sizable crowd? You're not a sizable crowd. You're wonderful people. You're kind of crowd, but you're not a sizable crowd. A sizable crowd is hundreds of people from the town. That's a sizable crowd. Now picture this. It's rather ironic. It's strangely humorous. 
Jesus has a multitude of people. Woohoo! Yippee! I've been healed. I can walk. I can see. I can hear. My skin is clear. And they're singing and they're going with Jesus and they're bouncing. And then you got another large crowd and they're crying and they're wailing and, oh, and their heads are down and, and they're one multitude is being led by the author of life. The other group is being led by a dead man. And they come face to face. One is full of joy. One is full of sorrow. And they're headed in opposite directions. Walking in the direction Jesus is going is always the best direction. Now, I read that it's customary that in that culture, when there was a funeral procession and it passed by other people, other people would actually join the procession out of respect. And so you have these two processions coming head to head, and everybody's kind of wondering, what happens now? Does this large multitude join this large multitude? Do these joyous people become sad? Boy, were they in for a surprise. We're told in verse 12 some important information. This mom is a widow. This is her only begotten son. And Jesus calls this son a young man, which would imply that his mom isn't that old, that she's a young widow. And she's a young widow, and her husband's dead, and now her only son is dead, and most likely her only means of financial support has now died, and her world has come crashing down around her. And then Jesus shows up, verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her. He felt her pain in his heart and said to her, do not weep. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He's the express image of the Father in some translations. You and I can't relate to an invisible spirit. It's hard to imagine an invisible spirit really caring about us. So, God the Father sent Jesus in human form so that we can understand how God feels about us and relate to us. And when it says that Jesus has compassion It means God has compassion. It says in John 1.18 that Jesus came to, literally in the Greek it's exegete the Father to us. We translate it, explain the Father to us. If you want to understand the Father, then look at Jesus. And what we see here is that Jesus felt compassion. That means our God is a compassionate God. In your notes there, number one, Jesus, God, shares in your pain. 
God shares in your pain. And for some reason we have this idea sometimes that the Father isn't the same as the Son and how He feels about us. And you might think of the Father as more austere or cold or less caring. That's not true at all. The Father is like the Son. They share in your pain. Jesus, God, shares in your pain. Now, I wish this point said, God removes all your pain. I wish that was our first point, but it's not. We see here, He shares in our pain. Oftentimes, He doesn't remove it, at least not right away, that pain. And His reasons for not removing our pain are good, and they're right, and they're sound, and they're mostly left to God to know, and not us in this life. But what is unequivocally true What is always true is that God is always compassionate, whatever your situation, because God's attributes don't change, and His attributes are infinite, and His compassion for you has no limits. It's infinite. God shares in our pain. God says, oh. He knows exactly how you feel, and He cares. God feels your pain when you have rebellious children. God feels your pain when there's difficulty in your marriage. God feels your pain when the marriage turns to divorce. He feels your pain if you're in chronic singlehood and lonely. He feels your pain of the constant back-to-back deployments. He feels the pain of your failure, of your loss, of your discouragement, of your sicknesses, and on and on. God shares in your pain. He's not oblivious to it. Now Jesus says to this woman, don't cry. If you're crying, that sounds a bit cold. Because, well, it is a bit cold normally. Crying is a healthy response to pain. Whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, it's good to cry. But when Jesus says don't cry, he says it because there's no longer any reason to cry. So he tells this woman don't cry because he's going to remove the source of her pain. And someday he will do that for all of us. It says in the book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, Almost the last chapter, chapter 21, it's talking about our future in Jesus. And it says in Revelation 21, verse 4, verse 4 says, And Jesus shall wipe away every tear. They're there, they get wiped away. There have been reasons for pain, but he gets rid of it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things that have caused us mourning, crying, and pain have passed away. Someday, Jesus is going to say to you, don't cry. Because all the things that would make you cry have been removed. Which brings us to our second point. The first point, God shares in your pain. But, number two, we see here, Jesus, God, will someday permanently remove your pain. Someday, he'll permanently remove your pain. But that's when you have a perfect body in a perfect environment, and that hasn't happened yet. 
Now, I'm an impatient person, and so perhaps you are too. And if you want to have a competition to see who's more impatient, you or me, we can do that. I don't care. But when I have pain, I want it to go away right away. Now, I know God can take it away, so I first take ibuprofen, and then I pray. (laughs) And sometimes God chooses to take whatever pain we have away instantly. And we call that a miracle because it doesn't happen very frequently. But someday when we have new bodies in the new heavens and new earth, all pain, all mourning, all sorrow will be gone forever because we have a compassionate God and He'll look at us and He'll say, don't cry. Because there's no longer a reason to cry. And so when Jesus looks at this woman, it sounds really cold at first. Don't cry. You have lost your only son. Your husband is dead. Don't cry. Who is this stranger who's saying, don't cry? He's the author of life. Verse 14. And Jesus came up and touched the coffin. Now, we we think of a, a coffin and uh, I don't know if you know the difference between a coffin and a casket. Casket's rectangular, coffin shaped like, you know, sort of like a body, you know, kind of that, um, with the shoulders and feet. But that's not what this is. They didn't have that kind of coffin. This is probably something open. Um, one of the words that you don't use too often in this context is the word beer. If you want to know if beer was in the Bible, here it is. But it's B-I-E-R, okay? A beer, which is, is like a stretcher with a dead person on it. You can probably you can see the body. Maybe it's wrapped up. Maybe not. I don't know. And it says here in verse 14, Jesus touched this stretcher with a dead body on it, and the bearers came to a halt. Now picture it. Large multitude, hundreds, maybe thousands of people behind Jesus, the author of life, they've just gotten silent. The silence kind of rippled through the crowd as they were rejoicing, and they're going, what is this? And on the other side, we have the wailers, the criers, the mom dressed in black, perhaps, the dead body, two crowds face off, and the author of life touches the coffin. I would guess it's silent. And Jesus said, Young man, I say to you. Now, Jesus is very specific because if he just says arise, you've had dead people arising all over the place. So he's very specific. We only want you, nobody else, none of the rest of you dead people. Young man, I say to you, arise. And when life meets death, life wins. Death doesn't win. Life does. Now, a number of people have already spoken to this dead man. His cousin spoke to him. Oh, man, I can't believe you're dead. The neighbors spoke to him. Oh, man, there you go, leaving your mom all alone. What kind of son are you? You know. The mom spoke to him. Oh, honey, I love you. But he stayed dead. But when Jesus speaks to the dead, they listen. Jesus says, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man, literally in the Greek, the corpse, 
He's totally dead. The corpse sat up and began to speak. How do you know if something's alive? It speaks. (laughs) And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I don't know what he said. Maybe, whoa, I feel so alive. (laughs) Hi, Mom, I feel, I've never felt better. I feel great. What are you all doing staring at me? What happened? I don't know what he said. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And her pain is instantly gone. But not permanently. That son's going to die again. She's going to die. It's all temporary. It's wonderful, but it's temporary. And Jesus came to give us something that's eternal, not something that's temporary. And the crowds missed it. Look at verse 16. You might overlook it when you read it the first time. Let me point it out. And fear gripped them all. We have probably thousands of people. And fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God. That part's good. But look what they said. A great prophet has arisen among us. In other words, like Elijah or Elisha who raised the dead, a great prophet. Jesus isn't a great prophet. He is the Son of God. And they missed it. God has visited His people, but they didn't recognize that Jesus was God. They called Him a prophet. They missed it. Don't you miss it. We all want physical comfort, healing. We like the sorrow to be gone, like the pain to be gone in this life. But that's not why Jesus came, to make you comfortable now. He came to make you comfortable forever. Don't miss it. He came as the Savior who offers us eternal life. He knows this life is hard. Our pain is in his heart, and he's going to fix it, but he might not fix it now. He's going to fix it forever. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads, but still listen. What pain of yours do you want to make sure that Jesus has in his heart? He does, but for your benefit, if you want to make sure with our eyes closed, would you just take that pain as if it's in your hands and present it to him? Just give it to him. He already has it, but for your benefit, just say, Lord, here's the pain I have. I give it to you. Do with it as you see fit. Do you trust him? If you don't trust him, don't give him your pain. But if you trust him, give him that pain. And say, Lord Jesus, do with this as you see fit. As we continue to have our heads bowed so you can have a private moment, if you're here and you've never recognized Jesus as more than a prophet, if you haven't recognized him as your Savior from sin, but you now believe that he died for your sins, he rose from the grave, I urge you to ask him to save you, to come into your life, to make him your Savior, to make it personal. So someday he will wipe away every tear He will take care of all your crying and your mourning and your pain forever. 
Lord Jesus, you are such a wonderful God. Thank you that you get us. You understand us. You care about us. And you offer us the best for all eternity. And we say thank you in your majestic name. Amen. Let's worship our beautiful Lord together. Let's stand as we close this morning and worship him. If you're here and you recently have asked Christ to save you, would you tell someone? Because that's the best decision you could ever make, and we'd like to hear about that. Let's close our service like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for being with us and celebrating Christ. God bless.